Good afternoon. That better? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Good afternoon. How many of you guys already had lunch? Raise your hand. You already had lunch. Bring these guys a pillow. Somebody bring them a pillow. How many of you guys uh, had your breakfast about 9 or 10? Bring these guys a snack. They're going to need a snack. This is just a weird time. We don't really know how to adjust for it. I'll tell you what's weird, too. is like, um, I don't know where he went, but Spencer's here somewhere. Oh, you're down here now. There you go. Were you always sitting there? I was looking there. My bad. Okay. So Spencer was supposed to be gone this morning. He was supposed to go to a youth rally in uh, Jackson, Missouri. And as the reports started coming in about the weather, then uh, they called him and they said, we were supposed to get a bunch of snow. I don't know if they did or not. Did you check? Sad thing is that they... uh, they might could have had a youth rally this morning, but they had a lot of people coming from north of there, and they were afraid to uh, do that. And um, we, uh, if we'd have went with the weather report, you know, we, we I think, made a good call. But anyway, um, we got the word out, and uh, most everybody heard it, I think. Another thing that's going on is there's a lot of COVID. It's just, like, rampant, and a lot of our families have that right now, so our number's down a little bit today. And, and uh, the good news, the good news is that... Uh, most of them are not, you know, really showing very, very bad sickness, little sniffles here and there. And, and so we pray that that continues to be the case. Um, unless y'all, uh, like, do a standing ovation and, and want, him, want Spencer to come up here and lead Jesus Loves Me, we're going to bypass that. Okay. We'll get, he can do double next week, two verses. Okay, so we'll just get right out of the lesson. Um, Oh, one more thing, sorry. Uh, Spencer and I went Friday morning and we, um, we went to Pocahontas. We took the check for 55000 to the trust account for the Smith children, that we, uh, the contribution we gave back in December. And um, if you don't know it yet, and you need to know this at some point, it, it's a pretty big deal to set up a trust fund. We thought we'd just go down to the bank and set up a trust fund, and it doesn't work that way. So if you at any point think you need to, you need to have a little leeway time because they just got the trust fund established and ready to put money in and so we took the check over. We got to meet um, Rebecca Wellborn and her husband Nick. He came to the bank to meet us. First time we really laid eyes on them. We've talked on the phone a lot and um, also the children got to come. They were out of school that day and so we met them and at some point they will worship with us. At some point they will come here and visit and we will let you know when they're here Um, but they're going to be a little shy at that time, and so just be aware of that, but try to get around and see them if you get a chance. And uh, I just love that story, and uh, I think this congregation, once again, needs to be commended for the gift at that time and all the gifts that you give, and uh, the eldership thanks you for that. The scripture that was read is the story of Peter in John where Jesus says, do you love me? And, and you're familiar with the story and it's not new to you. Uh, you've heard scriptures, you've heard lessons on it probably, you've studied it in class. Peter is such an interesting guy. I, I love studying Peter in the New Testament because he's, he's a lot like, I think, like most of us. I think he's at least a lot like some of us and sometimes I feel myself being a little bit like him. Peter is that guy that gets out in front of everybody sometimes. Peter's that guy that's the first one to go. 
And they said, who, need, who wants to try this? And Peter says, I do. I'm here. I can remember one time, uh, <laughs> I'm just lengthening my lesson a little, but I can remember one time years ago, me and Randy went, Randy said, let's go see this uh, hypnosis guy. He's, he's going he's gonna to hip, hypnotize people, and he's doing this little thing. And uh, so we went, and we sat down, you know, and first thing, he gets up there, and he introduces himself, and he says, I'm going to need some volunteers. And before he could finish saying tears, Randy was already running up there. I couldn't grab him in time. And Randy, you'll, you're going to be surprised at this, but Randy could not be hypnotized. He, <laughs> he couldn't be still long enough to be hypnotized. Okay. Peter was that kind of guy. And... and as you look at Peter here, and, and you know, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And there's all kind of different ideas and thought processes there. Did Jesus say that three times because Peter denied him three times? Maybe, maybe not. You know, in the first, the first time Jesus asked, he said, uh, Simon, do you love me more than these? Maybe indicating that you know, when, when Peter denied Jesus uh, that night and when Jesus told the apostles, he said, uh, one of you is going to betray me and all of you are going to deny me. And he said, not me. It'll never be me. And he said, though everyone else deny you, it will not be me. And Jesus said, before the night's out, before the cock crows three times, you'll de twice you'll deny me three times. And that's what happened. But Peter kind of separated himself, and he said, you know, um, he said, I'm not going to do that. If these guys do, I'm not. Maybe that's what it was. Some people uh, say that Jesus was asking for a deeper love than Peter was answering with. That may be the case. And then there's also, at the end of each one, after Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter answers with, yes, I love you. And Jesus gives him a command. And that's what I want us to think about a little bit. Jesus says, do you love me? He said, yes, I do. Jesus said, go. In the first one, he said, feed my lambs. In the second one, he said, tend my sheep. And then the third one, he said, feed my sheep. And there may be some discrepancy there. There's some people that put some thought into that and what that might mean, the three different answers. But I want us to concentrate on one thing today. Jesus asked him, do you love me? If Jesus was here today, and Jesus stood up here in front of us instead of me. And he asked this congregation, Valley View, do you love me? Are we going to be crickets? We're going to say, yes. Yes, we love you. And then Jesus is going to say, go and do this. I want you to think about that in just a minute. Because that's truly what this is about, I think. No matter what it meant to Peter, no matter why... It's put in scriptures. We need to look at it as if today he's talking to us. Jesus does ask us this question. Jesus, you know, we say this at baptism. You know, we confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then you're baptized and then you're done. It's, that's not what it's about. It's about what comes after that. It's how you confess him every day. When Jesus asks, do you love me? He's expecting more than just an answer in return. And so I want to look at that kind of quickly. He says, um, do you love me? We say, yes, I love you. And Jesus said, then I want you to keep my commandments. We look at uh, John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus told his apostles at that time, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he goes over, we go over into chapter 15 of, of John. 
and he's a little bit uh, more informative about how that works. He includes the love for himself and the Father for us, the love between himself and the Father. He includes a reward that goes along with that. If we love them, we abide in that. He includes joy in that. Listen to it as he says, starting with verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Just like he did with his Father, he expects the same from us. And he says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. When Jesus was asked in his ministry, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind and strength. And basically he went ahead and he said, you didn't ask for this, but the second one's like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's pretty inclusive. God is love. We sang a minute ago, God is love. And therefore God expects love. We know that love is the great commandment. We know that love is always necessary in our relationships with God. If we love Jesus, we'll keep his commandments. Which ones? Well, which ones do we keep? There's a bunch of them in there. We keep his commandments. Well, um, there's a bunch of them. We keep his commandments. Well, here's one. That one kind of cramps my style. I'm not really sure how to interpret that one. Well, you know what? If I do that one, then I can't do this, this one over here. Keep my commandments. We don't get to negotiate with Christ. He just says, these are my commandments. If you, if you love me, if you say that you love me, then you do the best you can to keep my commandments. 1 John 5 and 3 then goes ahead and he says, if you keep his commandments, they're not grievous. They're not hard. They're not going to be burdensome. He told us in the scripture that we just read in John chapter 15, if you keep my commandments, if you love me and keep my commandments, you're going to feel my joy. And I'm going to feel your joy. Isn't that what we're looking for in this world, joy? It's kind of guaranteed there. Keep Christ's commandments. Love him. Secondly, if Jesus was here today and he said, do you love me? We would say, yes. We love you. He would then answer, then go and be a servant. Go and be a servant. You go back to John chapter 13. You find a little bit of a story about Peter again. You find one of his uh, big moments again where he said the wrong thing at the wrong time. But John chapter 13 is dealing with Jesus at uh, uh, the night he was betrayed and, and before they took the... Uh, Last Supper. And before they took the Last Supper, Jesus got all the apostles gathered, got them all in place, and he got the, the towel, and he got the basin and the water, and he knelt down and he began to wash feet. I don't know how many he got to before he got to Peter, but when he got to Peter, Peter opened his big mouth. He separated himself from the other apostles that already had their feet washed, and I'm sure they were very uncomfortable as this happened. But he separated himself and he said, you will never wash my feet, thinking that that is a great 
and noble gesture. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Peter then said, if that's the case, then don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands. Wash my head. Wash all of me. You know the neat thing about Peter is he, he kind of got called down from time to time. He got put back in his place from time to time, but he kept on coming. And he kept on learning, and he didn't get discouraged from that. Jesus went ahead and said on that occasion, after he had washed their feet, he said, do you know what I've done? Do you understand what I've done? And it's so interesting that this is the last night he's going to be with them on earth before his crucifixion, and he's still trying to make them understand his, his mission. He's still trying to make them understand what he wants them to do. And he's still trying to make them understand, quit putting yourself above other people and put others above yourself. He's trying to teach them to be a servant. And he said in verse 14, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Do as I have done to you. We're not about feet washing, but we are about serving. We're all about putting other people first. We're all about taking the lower job and honoring other people. And if we can do that, you know what Jesus says? If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Once again, he's promised us joy. Now he's promising happiness. If we can just do the things that he asks us to do. When Jesus says, do you love me? We say yes. He says, I want you to go about doing this. Philippians chapter 2, in just a few verses, explains the relationship of Christ and servitude and us about as good as any any passage of Scripture that you could go to. I I love Philippians chapter 2. And it starts out with commands for us. They're not suggestions. He says, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. That's hard. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That gets kind of tough. Sometimes it's not that easy to do. But if we can do that, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. That's the mind of Christ, to be a servant. And then he describes how that looked. And he said Jesus was in heaven and Jesus was equal with God. He thought it not robbery to call himself equal with God. But he left that. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. And he came to earth. And just like Spencer talked about in his lesson three or four weeks ago before Christmas, Jesus didn't just come to earth. Jesus came in the form of the most helpless thing probably that we could think of, a newborn, a newborn baby. He had to be taken care of. The creator of the world was now a newborn baby. And he was willing to do that. And as he grew, he lived a servant's life. And he served others the rest of his life. And he, he did that to show us, if I can do it, you can do it. Jesus says, do you love me? Serve others. And then point three last point. We're blowing through these, aren't we? This is the big one. This is kind of the one the lesson's about. And I want you to pay a little bit of attention to this. We're going to get a little deeper into this one. If Jesus were here today 
And he said, do you love me? And we would say, yes. We sang about it. We love you. You know we love you. You know all things. This is how the third one went, wasn't it? Peter was a little frustrated when Jesus asked him the third time. I don't know. I was kind of thinking about that. and I, I don't really know, but, you know, as a parent, um, as somebody that's around kids a lot in my job, a lot of times they don't seem to be paying attention very good. A lot of times, you know, if, if this was like last week instead of 2,000 years ago, we might think they were on their phone while Jesus was saying, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, I love you. You guys do that? Yeah. When you tell your kids to go and do something, clean their room, oh yeah, I'm in a minute. And you tell them again, or you, you give your kids some good advice and they're like, oh, I already know that. You say, now listen, I mean, do this. And they're like, yeah, I know, I got that. And the third time, and you tell them the third time, sometimes they get a little irritated, don't they? You know I'm going to do it, I hired you. I don't know if this was the tone. We can't read tone into Scripture necessarily. But it kind of seems like, for some reason, Peter was a little irritated. Why are you calling me out, Lord? I said I love you. And then Jesus would say to us, I need you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and come and follow me. If you love me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come and follow me. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Once again, we got Peter opening his big mouth immediately before this. Once again, we see Peter being chastised, and this is a really hard one. It says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And then Peter took him, the Lord, and began to rebuke him, the Lord, saying, be it far from me, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. Can you imagine Peter rebuking the Lord? Can you imagine him standing up to Jesus and saying, that is not going to happen? Never. Jesus turned around and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Hard language. Thou art a stumbling block unto me, for thou mindest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus says, do you love me? We say, yeah, we love you. Jesus says, pick up that cross and come on. What does that look like? We've heard this all of our life. What does that cross look like? Immediately our mind is going to go to the cross of Jesus, right? Immediately our mind is looking at a wooden, wooden cross like this. Immediately we think about Jesus on that cross, and every Sunday our mind goes there. It's only natural that we would do that. When we have communion, we think of Jesus on that cross. 
So when Jesus tells them, pick up your cross and follow me, what are we going to think? Well, it's not that cross. It can't be that cross because he said you've got to pick it up and you've got to follow me. Luke, in his account, added one word that tells us that it's not the cross of Jesus. Luke said you pick up that cross daily and follow me. You can't be crucified daily. Jesus was crucified one time for all time, and that's not going to happen again. And although some of his disciples possibly were crucified on a cross, that's not the cross he's talking about at that time. He doesn't expect us to do that. This is a cross that we're going to take along with us as we go. So it's got to be different than the cross of Jesus. Um, this is a cross that's related to our life here, and it's related to our eternity. Because he tells them, he said, he gives them the warning, you can gain this world, you can leave that cross sitting there, and you can gain this world, but you know what? You may lose your soul because of it. It's eternal in nature also, carrying this cross. This is not a cross that we carry up the hill and die on. This is a cross that we pick up and we live with it daily. As we define this this morning, I want to I do that a little different way than actually with Scripture. I want to say, first of all, that this is not a cross one size fits all. You guys have seen that, haven't you? Have you seen the hats one size fits all? Can you see that? One size fits all fits my head and fits Mitchell's head. There ain't no way. We don't have the same head size. And then you, you know, and then you put it on one of these guys over here, Trout. He don't have the same head size. We can tell that. The jackets, the outfits, one size fits all. Uh-uh. That doesn't happen. Crosses are not that way either. We shouldn't look at them that way. They're individual. As many people as are in here, there's that many crosses in here. They're not a one-size-fits-all. Here's what I want to do. I want to describe the cross with three examples. And these are not going to be, uh, you're not going to find them in the Bible by name. Usually we do that. I'm going to, I want to identify them with people that you may know. People that you worship with. So the first one I want to look at this morning is William... Sherry and Tyson McLean. William, Sherry, and Tyson McLean. Some of you are not going to know William and Sherry and Tyson McLean. Some of you are not going to recognize that at all. Some of you already know where I'm going with this point. William, Sherry, and Tyson McLean have been members here since the day we started. William is a professor at ASU. Sherry is an educator who is um, not educating at this moment. She's staying home and taking care of Tyson. Tyson is 22 years old. But Tyson has autism. They found out uh, when he was two that he was autistic. And they would come to church with him and they would go to class with him. But as he got older... That didn't work out so well. 
As he got older, they began to realize that Tyson has a problem with large groups of people. Tyson has a problem with classrooms. Tyson has a problem with um, relating to a lot of people. Tyson can't go anywhere, just anywhere, with, with anybody. He needs some special places. He needs some special people around him. And as that became more obvious, they had to change the way that they interacted with the congregation. And so their MO became Sunday morning early worship service. They would come in separate cars, and they would worship, and they sit back there. There's very few people, and that's the smallest assembly we have. And then after service, then uh, Sherry and Tyson would go home, and William would go to class. And then William would come back Sunday night, and William would come back Wednesday night. Sometimes William would teach a class, and he did a good job, and he was willing to do that. They were both willing to do things, but, you know, it just couldn't work out. No potlucks for them. No small groups for them. This is the life they had, and then about two years ago, right before COVID, Tyson got really sick. He almost died. He had Crohn's disease. It was very serious. And they had a drug that he could take that would save his life, but it kills his immune system. And so now, what we would call a cross that they were bearing gets a little heavier. It takes a different shape. Now, the schedule they were used to has to be adjusted. And so now, if you've, been, if you've come to this congregation in the last two years, you're not going to know them at all because they haven't been here in two years. But they are members of this congregation. They are good members of this congregation. And they're with us every Sunday they're with us right now. And so, this is a little bit sensitive. I wasn't sure how to go about it. So I called William yesterday. I said, William, here's what I want to do. He said, great, go ahead. I explained to him kind of how I want to approach that. He said, great, go ahead. We're all sitting here thinking that we know what their cross is. William says, my cross is not Tyson. Although, over the years, I've given some consideration to that. Is that how God sees that for me? But he said, I can't. He said, I cannot come to that conclusion. Tyson is not a cross. He's a person. In fact, we don't see it as a cross. We see it as a circumstance of life and he said, we adapt, and we adjust, and we keep moving forward. In other words, they deny themselves. They pick up their cross, and they follow Jesus. So, I got another one. Excuse me, just a minute. This is not COVID. <laughs> I already had it. 
I got boosted, too. Um, Sherry Bobbitt. I don't think she's here today. She usually sits right back in there. Sherry Bobbitt. I don't know what her cross is today. And I'm not sure I can tell you what her cross is today. But this goes back about, about four or five years. And I love this story. Um, Sherry is like, um, she's kind of like in charge of all her family. She keeps us posted on who's sick and, and all that. And it's, and it's good. And she cares for them. And she's visiting them all the time. But... Um, I called Sherry one day to ask her how her parents were doing. She was taking care of her parents. They were having old age issues. And um, we had a conversation for a while. We talked, and we talked about her family. And then, and then she said, you know, uh, she said, there's this lady on Facebook. And she said, I see her on there. And she said, I know her kind of. And she said, she's always, um, she always seems so spiritual. All her posts are so spiritual. She said, like, um, she's always talking about how great her prayer life is, how fulfilling. She's always talking about how thankful she is, and she's always talking about how God has blessed her life. And then she said, I wish I could be more like that. Do you ever wish you could be more like that? Do you ever think, I'm not sure I'm getting this? Do you ever think, look around this room and, Spencer, he's got that stuff together. Why can't I be like that when he preaches? Why can't I be like that? And you look at somebody you admire and you think, man, why can't I be like that? And she told me, she said, I, I wish I could be more like that. And I said, Sherry. We've just been talking about your family. You go into your parents first thing in the morning. You get your mother out of bed. You feed them both breakfast. You get them set for the day. You get your mama dressed. You get everything in order and you leave for a while. You come back later in the afternoon. You make sure they've got an evening meal. You're taking care of some of their bills. You're taking care of some of their medicines. And then also... She had a daughter who had a newborn baby at that time or was just fixing to have one, but she had other kids. She needed some help, and Sherry's helping her, taking care of kids, taking care of things they need. And when she's not doing that, she's helping Jerry in the fields to get his farming done. Plus, she's got to keep her house ready. She's got to have meals for Jerry when he gets in. Which one of those crosses would you want to carry? The one that's talking about how great they feel or the one that's actually doing the work? This seems hard, doesn't it? But she's actually living the Christian life. She's actually doing what God asked her to do. She's picking up her cross and she's moving along every day. She's doing the right thing with her life. And it's kind of it's interesting that she was emulating somebody else or she was thinking that she needed to be somebody else. And you know, that's the thing about crosses. Sometimes they're pretty heavy and sometimes we don't feel so happy when we're carrying them. But they're good for us. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Sherry's uh, cross has changed, I know now. Sadly, her parents have passed away during that time. So she's, she's not doing that. Her children have grown. 
So our grandchildren, excuse me, have grown a little bit, so they're not in that same area. Jerry even told me not too long ago, he said, I'm, I'm, I think I'm about ready to retire. So she's not going to be doing that. So um, I don't know if we need to find her a cross or what, but she, I think she'll find one on her own. She's a great Christian lady, and she, through this all, continues to come to church, continues to live that good Christian life. You don't have to be talking about it to be living it. Okay, number three, Randy Simpkins. Now, I told Randy I was going to put him in the, in the lesson today. If you've been here for more than two weeks and you do not know Randy Simpkins, I'm going to suggest that you go get your eyes checked or get your ears checked. Because uh, Randy Simpkins can be seen and heard around here most of the time. And you should have run into him by now. Let me tell you about Randy. Randy is a teacher. He teaches adults. He teaches kids. He teaches vacation Bible school. He teaches at camp, youth camp. Um, he preaches sometimes. Randy does jail ministry. Randy does North Point ministry. Randy does a hugging ministry. Most of y'all have felt that. He does a real strong hugging ministry. Randy does mission work. Randy builds handicapped ramps. Randy builds fences. Randy moves furniture. Randy paints. And he's here 30 minutes early every service to greet at the south entrance. If you got a pencil and paper, you might want to write this down. 972 one, two, three, five. That's Randy. You can call him. See if you can call him and he won't come. I don't know if it'll happen. Oh, yeah. Randy believes in mission work. Randy puts his money where his mouth is. Now, I'm not going to say much more. But I will say, Randy has a kind of a big mouth. That's a backhanded compliment. That's a big cross. That's not everything. Anybody want to? Anybody want to pick that up? Anybody want to take half that? Pick it up. Keep moving. So, we look at that and we say that's a huge cross. It's totally different than the other two. The other two we talked about were not asked for. They were circumstances that came to them. This is what you got, you deal with it. This is volunteer right here. He's looking for crosses to pick up. Is that any better than the ones we talked about? No, it's not. Is that any more valuable to God at the end, in the day of judgment? No, it's not. Is he going to be in a better place in the day of judgment than any of us? No, he's not. None of us can stand up to Christ's example ever. 
That's not the point we're making. The point is that a cross can be different in nature, and a cross is where you are at the time. A cross is a circumstance in your life and how you deal with that and how you keep moving in the right direction with Jesus inside. Jesus says, pick it up and follow me. That's our challenge. So we got um, this other little point, and then I'll be done. Excuse me. I got this COVID. I am proud that most of us just sniffles, you know. I don't have COVID, but I'm proud that my grandkids, a couple of my grandkids have it. Go back to John chapter 21. I got one more little thought here. This goes along with crosses. Um, it's a little weird. I'm just going to tell you, um, as I make this point, I don't want you to get confused on this point, the purpose of it, but it, it kind of involves me a little bit. So I was uh, studying this for a class, and I thought when I got past uh, Do You Love Me, that my lesson was about over, and then I studied a little further. This is about four or five years ago. And this, this scripture below it really spoke to me. In fact, it didn't just speak to me. It was, like, it was like a bucket of cold water jumped out of there and hit me right in the face. Has that ever happened to you? Do you ever read something, you've read it before, and it didn't really impress you, and then all of a sudden, boom, it impresses you? That's this scripture to me. And I go back to this in my life, and I hope you understand the point as I give it. But you look here and it says in verse 18, Jesus told Peter, Verily, verily, I say to you, when you were young, you would gird yourself and walk whether you would. But when you're old, you'll stretch forth your hands and another will gird you and carry you wherever you would not. And this he spake, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. We just talked about that. Follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. He's talking about the way that Peter's going to die. Most of us don't want to hear stuff like that. But he's telling him, you're going to die. And, and history tells us that Peter died hung upside down on a cross because he, don't, he did not deserve to be hung like his Lord and Savior, Jesus. And then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and he said... Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? This was John the Baptist. Um, excuse me, John the Apostle that he's talking about. John wrote this, and he's kind of telling about himself. Peter sees him. He sees that John. and he, Jesus has just told him what's going to happen to him, a little bit of his future. Jesus has just talked to him about what he expects of him in the next few years. Do you love me and feed my sheep? And then Peter looks around and a little maybe impulsively sees John and he says, what about that guy? Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What about him? Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? Follow thou me. Sometimes it's easy to get into comparing crosses if you're not careful. I've been in the church all my life, born in a preacher's home. 
First Sunday I was here, I guess I was in church, and I've been there ever since. And I've always been somewhat involved. I've done pretty much everything at one time or another. One of the things that you find in church work is everybody's not always there at the same time. In fact, sometimes you show up and hardly anybody's there. If you've ever been to a work day and three people show up, somebody might have said, where is everybody? If you ever went to a door knocking to canvas a neighborhood and three kids and grandma showed up, where is everybody? I'm going to confess to you right now, this is not about the things or the life that I've lived in church, but I have had some experience. But what it's about is Satan working on me. And when I'm doing things in the church, every once in a while, Satan will come up behind me and he'll whisper in my ear and he'll say, Does he ever whisper to you like that? Does he ever try to discourage you when you're doing the Lord's work? A great answer to that is here. If you get to thinking that you're better than everybody else, that your cross is heavier than everybody else, that you deserve a smaller cross maybe, or a bigger pat on the back, I'm doing more than my share. Jesus told Peter, when Peter said, what about that guy? Jesus gave him a great answer. What is that to you? What is that to you? We're talking about me and you. We're not talking about them. I'll talk separately with them. This is me and you. And so, when I feel a need to make a visit, when I show up for some work at the church, I have to sometimes remind myself, this is, this is me and God here. Whoever else shows up is great, but I'm showing up because I have the time to do it and I'm going to do it. I have to, I have to tell myself that sometimes. I have to shake myself sometimes. I have to throw that cold water in my face every once in a while and remind myself, this is me and this is just me and God right here. And whatever else happens, that's okay. Don't compare your cross with somebody else. Don't get into that contest. It's not how Christ wanted it to be. We each will give an account for our life here on this earth. We'll each give an account for the cross that we picked up and bore as we lived our Christian life. I want to go back to William McLean as I finish here, and he gave me my final point. Had a great visit with William on the phone. He's a great visitor. He, he loves to tell stories and we talk and, and every time, I don't call him enough, but when I call him, we just, we have long visits. But we talked a, we talked a lot about crosses. We talked a lot about Tyson. We talked about his life with Sherry. And he just kind of, he filled me in on some things that I didn't know. And you know, the answer to William and Sherry and Tyson and what we would call a cross 
He said, it's not a cross. I can't call it a cross. And why is that? Because of love. Love is the key ingredient there. They do what they do out of love. And they do what they do because they're Christians. And he said, you know, along the way, he said, we've, we've had some hard times trying to deal with that. He said, you know, you, you and your wife have probably had some hard times dealing with things in your marriage. And he said, we have too. And he said, some of it is to do with the situation that we're in. But he said, we've always managed to get by that. And he said, she has stood by me and supported me as we've lived our lives. And I asked him, he said, you know, a lot of people in that situation, he said they'd seen a lot of people that had destroyed them. They couldn't handle it. Their marriage didn't hold up. And I said, what about yours? I said, what if you two hadn't been Christians? What do you think? He said, it never would have made it. That's something to think about. Never would have made it if they hadn't been Christians. If they hadn't loved God, if they hadn't loved Jesus, if that hadn't been a part of the equation, they never would have made it. You know what he told me? He said, he said, see, Sherry is the only person who understands exactly where I'm at on this thing. Because we share that. And so they work that together. And he said, this is, this is kind of neat to me. He said, we have grown actually stronger during this period of our lives. This burden, this cross, whatever you think it is, this situation that they're in, he said, we, we've grown stronger. We're stronger than we would have been. And he said the last two years, since they've had to adjust and stay away from church more, this is not a recipe for everybody, okay? <laughs> Don't stay away more. But he said, during this time, when you might think it's even been harder on us, and it has in some ways, he said, he said, I've grown in my faith more. And he said, I've grown in my studies more than I even did before. And so, as we look at that, and as we try to close, as we try to make uh, an application, this cross, that whatever we, whatever we think it might be, whatever it is in your life, it doesn't have to be weighing you down. It doesn't necessarily, it's not something that you take to your grave necessarily that beats you down. It's not something to die on. It's something to live with. And if we can do that, then it's going to make you stronger. The weight of the cross, rather than weigh us down, can actually make us a stronger person. Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Love God. Jesus says this morning, do you love me? And we say, yes. And he says, go show it. If you're not a Christian this morning, we have an opportunity now to make that right for you, to help you along that line. If you have issues in your life that you'd like to disclose, or you'd like to be prayed about, and you don't want to disclose, you let us know. You have an opportunity right now as we stand and sing.